Welcome back to the Frontline Podcast. This is Derek, Nate, and Bob are with you tonight. Uh, really excited to be back together. It's been a couple weeks since we were able to, to be together and record. Very busy for us last week, but uh, lots of exciting things have happened in the world of golf since the last time we spoke. We had the Olympics uh, that finished up. I think we all really enjoyed uh, different aspects of that. We also had some thoughts on maybe how to make Olympic golf even better um, and uh, and those kinds of things, as well as uh, obviously this past week we saw at the World Golf Championship, we saw first time winner of a guy that I think all three of us are really a big fan of, Abraham Answer, and uh, and just got to see him uh, pull out a playoff against Hideki and um, and Sam Burns uh, with uh, with Deschambeau and 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 Harris English kind of doing and and having, I guess, for lack of a better term, a lackluster back nine. Uh, maybe it's even a stronger. Maybe we have stronger words for that, gentlemen. I don't know, but uh, but definitely not their best stuff on the back nine on Sunday. Uh, but we got a lot of stuff to cover as well as what are we going to uh, see happen this weekend at the Wyndham Championship? Who are the last people to get into the playoffs? We have a couple big names right there on the bubble. Uh, trying to fight for those final spots to get in uh, to the playoffs. So we'll see who who gets in uh, this weekend. But uh, before we get to uh, too much of that, Bob, how are you doing, man? This is fantastic. Uh, glad to be back talking golf and uh, be around uh, you guys again to hear what's going on. And uh, can't wait to talk a little about the Olympics. My family, we love watching the Olympics, pretty much everything. So uh, can't wait to talk about it. And it's uh, It's a good night. It's a good night. Yeah. Nate, I know you uh, you threw out that you wanted a new segment on the pod where uh, you share your YouTube golf knowledge with us. So here you go. Here's your chance. What have you been watching on YouTube and what should we yeah, be watching on I, YouTube? I, I do consider myself uh, an expert in YouTube content um, specifically catered towards golf in every facet, whether it's course vlogs, uh, equipment reviews, um, and, and anything and everything in between podcasts, all that kind of stuff. That's basically what I'm listening to or watching all day. Um, uh, the most interesting thing that I've watched in the last week is that Wesley Bryan is back. My yeah. favorite golf YouTube channel is Brian brothers. I like George, uh, better than Wesley. I think he's, he does a great job and he's been playing a bunch of, uh, kind of local, uh, mini tour, tournaments he's also been playing a bunch of uh individual kind of matches against willy mudball kilometers miles <laughs> um <laughs> around aiken golf club in the country club of lexington aiken um, golf club tips out at 5800 yards it's, great. It, it's interesting to watch those guys play it that's why they go over to lexington i think but yeah right um wesley's back so they the last video they kind of started his road back to the pga tour I thought it was really interesting. I don't know if you've watched it, Derek. He hasn't picked up a golf club in 12 weeks because he had wrist surgery Mm -hmm. to repair a couple tendons in his wrist. Um, I saw him chip something in. Exactly. Like, literally, the guy hasn't touched a wedge or any other club in 12 weeks. They immediately drive out to the South Carolina practice facility, and George, who's been winning, the other brother, who's been winning some local mini tour events, they do a chipping contest and Wesley wins pretty easily. <laughs> like I find it amazing at how good and like some of the sauciest chip shots I've ever seen, like chip shots that I can't dream of hitting. Wesley can hit right off the bat after not touching a golf club for 12 weeks. Yeah. yeah it, no, if you yeah. haven't seen that video, I would encourage you to watch it. 
it's interesting, but it's also illuminating. Like you can tell how he pl- why he's a PGA Tour player. Yeah, he definitely has a great short game. It's I impressive. Can, I've I've played nine holes with him, and it is, it's it's all it's a different world. He li- he plays on a different world. Yeah. There's a reason that his nickname <laughs> is Wedgley Brian. <laughs> yes, he he <laughs> he can wedge it and put it with the best of them. He so. Can. Um, yeah, well, um, obviously we got to experience something we only get to experience every four years, which is Olympic golf. And, uh, we had to wait five years for this one because of COVID. Uh, but that means we only got to wait three years for the next one. So I guess there's, you know, something good in there. Uh, but I don't know about you guys, but I was thoroughly, uh, I loved Olympic golf. In fact, I could not go to sleep, uh, during the final round. Like I tried, uh, to uh, stay up, and it wasn't even hard with everything that was going on, all the drama that was going on, all the people who were fighting for a place on the podium. That was really the the big story that like I would take away that makes Olympic golf way different than any other tour event, any other golf event that we get to experience or get to watch is it just, it brings so many people into what we would consider contention because they're contending for three real spots not just a, a, a trophy and and the winner's purse, you know, of um, at, at a regular event. And so this is this was just so invigorating to watch. And, and like I, I don't know how else to explain it, but like I could not I could not get enough of it. I couldn't stop watching it. Um, I don't know if you guys were able to stay up and finish it um, or not, but uh, I'm sure you guys watched the final round, how it played out. Uh, Sabatini coming from nowhere on Sunday to to really sneak up there and take the silver medal eventually. But like he really put some pressure on Xander on that back nine. And when Xander hit that ball uh, far right on 14, I really thought, man, like there's a chance like worry Sabatini won the gold medal with one round. Like I really, really thought that that had might have, uh, have happened. I mean, what were y'all's thoughts as you guys watched it play out and, and saw everything uh, transpire? I think I agree with you. There was some doubt that crept in my mind, but especially early on in that final round, I felt like Xander was in such control Mm -hmm. that it seemed like it, I mean, and it ended up playing out, right? It was his gold medal to lose and he didn't lose it. Um, No, yeah, yeah. I, I, I came close. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you do enough. That up and down, he had to get on 18. The, the bogey he had to make on, on 14. I mean, those are, those are big holes. They are, but you know that's why you go out and make a couple birdies in the first four holes too. Yeah, um, and he made some putts early in the round that really made me think, like, okay, it's probably going to be hard for him to lose this this tournament, and no matter how he he tried to, he wasn't <laughs> able to do it. I thought the real interesting part was uh, the playoff. For the bronze yeah. medal, right? Like that—that that was intense. Like that's great. The, the <laughs> star power that existed mm-hmm. in there, and then we got Bob's cousin, yeah, so Pan was... from Chinese Taipei. You know, ended up stealing that from some of the biggest names in golf, right? Hideki, right. Rory, like, mm-hmm. and you know, Sebastian Munoz is one of the hottest players on tour, right? He's had a ton of high finishes in the last couple months, so. Right. Right. Um, impressive for a guy who's battling for his tour card, who very easily could end up in the Corn Ferry Tour playoffs. Yeah, was was Abraham Answer in that um, playoff as well? In the eight-way playoff, I 
don't think so. Or was okay. it Car- did Carlos Ortiz fall away? I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I thought I thought one of them. I thought point. maybe yeah, I thought maybe one of them uh, from Mexico got in there, but I I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean that was I mean it it was incredible to watch. I mean for sure. And and oh, then Bob, you you made mention of Rory's comment after the round. I mean about how you know how hard he was fighting just to win third place, and that like how much that stuck with you. Yeah, that was that was just pretty cool. I mean, it uh, you know for a lot of these guys, and you talk about the star power for a was seven or eight way uh, playoff for third place. And like you said, Nate, I mean, you had Morikawa and McElroy and, you know, Hideki. Oh yeah. I forgot about Colin Morikawa. Uh, yeah. You know, Paul Casey, you know, was in it, you know, there's a, you know, some of the, like you said, some, some of the best players in the world who frankly, I don't think care about finishing third at the players or the masters. They don't really want to finish third anywhere. Uh, but, uh, you know, Rory made a comment that he had never tried harder to come in third place. And that was just pretty cool. Uh, I do think, I will say, I do think that the organizers missed a golden chance to put all seven players or eight players, seven or eight, I forget how many, all in one group and have them just walk down the fairway, you know, like you're, you know, like, like, like you would do with your buddies. Couldn't, and yeah, at a shootout. What, like, I couldn't that, agree more. Uh, it would have been it, awesome. That's how they should have played that. When I saw them, like, arrange the it's like, why aren't they playing in a sevensome? This is the Olympics. It's not like anybody else is out there on the course. Put all those guys on the same hole and let's have them play some golf. That would have been amazing. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is that there was the guy from the, the Ranger from Myrtle Beach was out there saying they couldn't play anything more than four, uh, and uh, they're gonna have to keep up with the group in front of them. I I, I don't know, but that would have been awesome to have a shootout style, and because it you know even if it would have gone four or five holes, that that's awesome. That's that's what you want to see. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it it would definitely have given it a different feel. I think coming down the end, um, and you know, I, I think it, man. It, I think that that was the thing for me that I just I walk away with most is like, man, this was such a great. It was so good for the game of golf if you if you watched it and and you got to experience it. And I know we were talking about how weak the field was potentially and and those kinds of things. But I mean, even you know before we got on here, and started recording. Like the one thing that the Olympics did not disappoint with was that like the the cream really rose to the top in a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, maybe you didn't expect CT Pan and Roy Sabatini to 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 medal, but like if you look at all those guys we just mentioned that were fighting for third place, and you look at Xander who won, um, and some of the other names that were up there like Cam Smith and and you know Fleetwood was up there for a while. I mean, you just, you had a lot of guys, uh, big name guys. Uh, you know, Shane Lowry was up there for a little while. Like, I mean, you had, you had a lot of big name guys at the top of this leaderboard during the tournament, and it made it for for really exciting golf. Yeah, yeah, it, think, it did. I think that's and, yeah, that's what the, happens the, when you set up a, a great golf course, and the best golfers are able to take advantage of that. I don't, you know, that's the issue with what happened in Rio. Um, the the Rio Olympic golf course was designed by Gil Hans, who it kind of specializes in that new school link style, mm-hmm. which I, when I think of Gil Hans, I always think of stream song black. Yeah. 
Um, which, or number two or number four. It, number four. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, kind of like Corin Crenshaw light a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes some of that linksy style stuff, you, you get certain bounces, right? Mm-hmm. You're dependent on the ground and, and, and those types of breaks. I thought the course was set up great. Right, it wasn't all that hard, as we saw. Rory Sabatini basically won a silver medal off of one round, but it was there for the taking. And the guys who were able to take advantage of that are the guys who did well. And I think that's how a golf course specifically designed for a wide range of players with different skill levels. Right, we're not talking about a PGA Tour field. Right, we're talking about you know guys Amateurs. from Poland. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Who are on the uh, you know the the European Challenge Tour? So mm-hmm. I thought the I thought they did a great job setting it up. I think it was a little questionable potentially at um, in Rio, but the the World Golf Federation or the International Golf I think it's the IGF, um, led by the um, the former uh, president and CEO of the European Tour. Um, I thought they did a great job in, in setting it up, and, and I don't think that's a secret because they had Kerry Haig, I think, in charge of golf course setup. So mm, he yeah. always does a great job at the PGAs, and I think he does a great job of identifying, you know, his course setup does a great job of identifying and letting guys' skills and talents come out, right? It's not right. kind of the U.S. Open where you're going to get, you know, beat into submission with high rough and fast greens and really hard mm. pin placements. And no fairway. Correct. It's it's really a situation of, hey, let's let these guys show who's playing the best, and then the guy who hits it the best, who puts it the best, who has the best all-around score is ultimately going to win. And I, yeah. I, I thought they did a great job. Well, and, and you saw that, too, because it, it, it worked out the next week when they had the women's competition. It was a very uh, similar feel, right, where they were able to set the course up to meet that same uh, type of player, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, d- different skill sets and everything, but... Uh, I do think it, it it speaks well for the course to handle, frankly, back-to-back professional tournaments, which is always hard on any golf course, uh, but then set it up you know, at one side for 7,300 yards and another side for 6,600 yards or 6,500 yards, whatever the women play from. Uh, and it can still be you know, competitive rounds for uh, you know, professional and amateur golfers alike. So I, I think right. that was a, a good thing. Uh, yeah. And I would agree with you on that. I mean, I think I think that that was something that um, the USGA tried at Pinehurst Number Two a few years mm-hmm. back, um, and I think maybe even the the European Tour, uh, or I guess I should say the RNA tried to do with the Open Championship maybe a couple years back as well. Um, but I remember in 2014 they had the Women's US Open and the Men's US Open at Pinehurst Number Two, and uh, they were like back to back, and I think that that a lot of the women uh really struggled on that setup um it, it was it was not as fair um to them as it was to the men i think in in that situation uh and and so i i do yeah i would say man they did a great job uh, one of the things that i loved about the setup um on sunday specifically was i loved 17 being a drivable par 4 right down the end um, because 18 is the hardest hole in the golf course all week long. And then you give them kind of like, okay, a risk reward kind of drivable situation that it, like you, you have a really good scoring opportunity right here. 
um, right before you get to the hardest hole on the golf course to close. Like I love that setup um, on Sunday. I thought it was well done. I thought it was very strategic moving the tees up. Um, I think they moved them up almost, you know, 70 yards or something like that um, on Sunday. Uh, and, and it made for really, really exciting golf down the stretch. So uh, kudos to the people that set it up. I would say we, we all talked about this in our text thread, like how cool would it be if there was also a team competition within the individual stroke play competition? Um, Like if you could make it some sort of team competition as well, I just think that that makes it a whole lot. uh, I don't know, just, just much more kind of interesting. uh, If you get, if you can find a way to give away two gold medals, two silver, two silver medals and two uh, bronze medals, one as a team and, and then one to an individual, I think that, that would be really cool. A lot like kind of they do with the NCAAs, um, where they have the individual and then they also have a team competition. I think that would be a really neat um, situation to see happen and play out in in um, in like the Olympics if we're going to do golf, uh, continuing to do golf. I think it would be kind of cool to see uh, something like that. That would be kind of neat. Um, as far as uh, – as far as, I guess, um, the Olympic uh, golf thoughts go, I mean, the the Olympics in um, in three years from now, I believe, is in Paris. Is that right? Yep, in France. In France. So, are they playing at the same place they played the Ryder Cup? They should. If they're not, that place is awesome. Um, yeah, but anyway, so we'll get to experience it again, and uh, and you know, I I thought it was interesting too. I didn't know this, um, but watching it, I I, I guess we I figured it out watching it for the first time um, that the United States was the only only country that had four players, and that four was your maximum amount you could have, but they all had to be ranked inside the top fifteen in the world or something like that. Yeah, and I think that's why. Um that's why it would be really hard to have a team competition mm. is it would be hard to get enough players because they have certain restrictions. Yeah. Um, where you have to be within the top 3000 in the world and, you know, certain things that have to take place. There's just not that many countries that would have enough guys. Like they would even be able to form a quote unquote team. Right. Right. Like take Czechoslovakia or Chinese Taipei. Right. I believe they were the only golfers representing their countries in the tournament. Yeah, but I mean, is there a potential that like the countries that do have enough can compete in a team competition? I don't know. Like that's just kind of my thought. Like if you had if you had enough, if you had a few countries that had at least you know four guys in the top two hundred in the world, like could you could you have a pretty good team competition out of those countries? Um, cause I mean, I would imagine that's still probably a good number of countries, you know what I mean? Um, but I could be wrong, but I would still imagine that that's probably at least still eight to 10 countries that would be competing for that. I mean, it, it uh, I, I definitely want to see the team play. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, this is the, only the second year, right. That we've had the, uh, golf in the Olympics. And, uh, I, I do think if they can figure it out uh, in the next couple of years, maybe not in Paris, but I know in, uh, 2028. It's in Los Angeles, and uh, yeah. Riviera, I think, is hosting. Hosting, I think, Riviera mm-hmm. is the uh, yep. 
I mean, and, and by then, I would hope that you could kind of grow the game a little bit. You know, that's seven years away that you, you could figure something out. Um, but, uh, you, I, you know, uh, you know, Max Holm is going to want to be in that Olympics for sure. <laughs> he loves Riv. Uh, but anyway, well, so this past week we had the FedEx St. Jude Classic. And what did, what was your takeaway? Was it Abraham Answer going out and winning the golf tournament or was it Bryson DeChambeau and, it's English absolutely blowing up on the back nine to lose it. Uh, yeah, both? the latter. The latter for me. <laughs> I was surprised at how poorly DeChambeau and Harris English played on the back nine. It didn't like DeChambeau looked like he didn't ha- he didn't have any idea where the golf ball was going. Uh, couldn't hit a draw, and then he started hitting a big push. And then he pulled a couple, and there was one shot specifically. I don't know what hole it was. So I was kind of doing some other stuff around the house, but like it was one of those holes where you can only hit it. Let's call it, you know, two sixty off the tee, because mm-hmm. after two sixty, it, you know, the the fairway runs out and it goes into water. Right there's mm-hmm. there's pond right there. Yeah, the, he hits it two seventy and it goes into the water. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, I think it, it was number 10, yeah. It, I mean, it was early in the back nine, and it was like, are you kidding? Like, what pro makes that mistake? Right. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that that was, to me, that was an interesting aspect of, like, like how does he not know that he can't hit it, hit that club? Like, I mean, and it, you say as, somebody, maybe, who, as right. somebody who, like, knows everything about every yardage and distance and you know, spin and all like he, he's so calculated. How could you mess that up? And he said he pulled it a little bit. And I think the natural inclination for me was that, yeah, well, you got a, a, a caddy with you who doesn't really caddy. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> and I think a, a serious caddy would have said, no way. If there's a yeah. way that you can hit this to the water, hit one less period. Right. End of story. Right. Yeah, right. you know, I, I wasn't totally surprised that DeChambeau kind of blew up because, frankly, he hadn't been playing all that well uh, outside of this week for a couple of months. You know, we saw him blow up in the back nine at the U.S. Open. We saw him yeah, – so that part didn't surprise me. But Harris English had been playing really well. Uh, yeah. And uh, that one, I, you know, um, I, I, the – no, what was it, hole 11 – uh, the the par three that he just he you know his his first shot uh, that he dumped in the water it wasn't even close I mean he was mm-hmm. a solid two clubs short of where he needed to hit that one right and that's uh, 155 yards right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I it's it's interesting it's interesting to me because I like kind of like you guys I thought Harris English just had it wrapped up. Like he was twenty under par going into the back nine, and I so I left to what did I go do? I had to go do something. I I ran to go do something with my kids for like I don't know an hour, and then I come back in, and Harris English is at fifteen under par, and they're talking about how he's got to you know he's got to make birdie on one of the last two holes just to get into a playoff. And I'm thinking, what happened? Um, So like, then they, you know, they do all the replay stuff and those kinds of things. This is how we got here. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, and then you find out like, like him and DeChambeau, both like DeChambeau ended up shooting 41 on the back nine and, and English shoots 40. 
And you're just like, man, like it, it wasn't even cl- – I mean, they were running away with it. And they they just absolutely blew up. The, well, the, uh, interesting, the interesting implication for me, and, and I saw an article on golf.com about it, like one, if Harris English would have won, or if he would have at least finished in, like let's say somebody, let's say Abe Anser eventually goes out and shoots some kind of crazy score on the back nine and somehow clips him, right? Somehow gets to twenty-one under par, and and whoever does that beats him, right? Mm-hmm. You would still think that Harris English is in a really good spot to snag a Ryder Cup pick. Mm. And and then on the other side of that story is Bryson DeChambeau has long since been qualified for the Ryder Cup. He's a lock. Right. Yep. Are you concerned? You know the 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 article was basically you know as Captain Steve Stricker and some of the other Americans start thinking about this. Are you concerned about Bryson's ability to perform? Mm. Because it seems like when these types of things happen, he hasn't exactly played well down the stretch right, of right. some of these tournaments recently. Yeah, I mean, I would say if you get the Bryson that you had on Saturday that went out and shot 63 and was nailing putts from everywhere and knocking everything close and was ball striking like, you know, like he did at the U.S. Open back at last fall, like, no, I don't think you're worried about that if that's the Bryson that shows up, you know. Well, but do you get the Ryder Cup? But, but do you I get mean, that, I though? I don't like, know. I, I mean, that's the definitely problem. under, under been... pressure, that's a, that's a big question. Well, yeah, and, and, and you, the Ryder Cup is nothing but pressure, maybe the most pressure. And so, I, you know, I, I don't, I think it's more likely that you kind of fall back to your lowest common denominator as opposed to rise to the occasion. So under that level of stress and pressure, does Bryson, you know, fall back to that back 941 or does he, you know, shoot 63 every day? I, I think it's probably closer to 41. Hmm. Just judging right now, especially with all that personality conflict that could potentially exist with Brooks and some of the other guys. Because, you know, rumor <laughs> has it is none of those guys on tour like him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. it will, I'm sure we'll talk about the Ryder Cup the next couple of weeks, but the, the, the U.S. team has got problems. Uh, DJ isn't necessarily informed. DeChambeau's got issues. When's the last time Justin Thomas put four days together? You know, and those are all locks right now to, to, to be on the Ryder Cup, and I, I'm not sure I'm comfortable starting those guys in any kind of, you know, four ball. Right. Well, right. don't worry. You always have the combo of Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? You wouldn't break up that team ever. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> um, well, I, mean, I, will, I will say to that point, I mean, you gotta be, you got to be feeling pretty good about Morikawa and Spieth oh, yeah. and, and Shoffley and and you got to be feeling pretty good about, you know, for the most part, Patrick Reed. I mean, he's he's had a good season. I wouldn't say it's been a great season, but he's played pretty well. Um, but I do think there's a lot of question marks outside of that, right? Like, I mean, with DeChambeau, with with Justin Thomas, with with uh, Dustin Johnson, with Brooks Kepka kind of being, you know, the bully to, you know, the big golfer and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's like – I. Th- I think you do have some some large question mark looming. Uh, there, it doesn't seem like it's a unified team, uh, to say the least. Um, and I think maybe that's one of the biggest reasons that's hurt the United States in the past is like U.S. golfers are used to playing on their own. They're used to being out there on their own, and and no one's you know no one's held responsible uh, except for themselves unless your name's Bubba Watson, right? Um, so and then then you can blame whoever you want. 
Um, probably your caddy. <laughs> probably your caddy, <laughs> Teddy. Uh, but uh, but anyway, I mean, I just think. Um, <laughs> but I think, like all all kidding aside, I mean, I think that that's. I think that's that definitely. I mean, definitely is a worrisome thing about the Ryder Cup is with these guys. I mean, we don't outside of the you know the Morikawa, Shoffley, Spieth, and Reed. Like you kind of are wondering, like, are we going to get more than eight points? in this Ryder cup, like, I mean, is it even possible that we even compete? Um, or do we just get our doors blown off like we did, you know, five years ago? So, um, or well, it's on us soil. three years ago. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. But I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking like, you know, in regards to man, it just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel great about the team dynamic, you know? Um, so but maybe Stricker has some magic up his sleeve, you know. Phil, Phil is the magic up the sleeve. <laughs> maybe <laughs> that that could be. Phil, Phil's good magic. I would love to see Finau give some magic. Um, well, the problem is, I don't think Finau. Like, I think you need a strong personality mm-hmm. to kind of rein some of those guys in. That's not Billy Horschel. Give me not, Billy. No. You be Billy. Oh, oh. Hey, that's Billy not Billy match Tony right Finau. Match play champ. That is. Um, that is Phil Mickelson, though. I mean, yeah. we might have been talking about Sam Burns uh, had he, you know, made uh, a right. six-foot well, putt. <laughs> well, who knows? He may have still gotten beat on the next playoff hole, but That's at least it wouldn't have been as as bad. Yeah, yeah. But we do love Abraham Answer, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, I yeah. think a, a, yeah. a well-deserved win. He's been knocking on the door. I think I heard Amanda Balione say... He had four runner-up finishes this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean so. he's, he he definitely was uh, was getting close to to getting that first win. Glad he got that first win. Um, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's got a lot of swagger. Uh, got a lot of uh, you know. Got a lot of moxie uh, for a small guy. I saw a picture of him today with uh, Keegan Bradley and uh, I think it was was it uh, Cam Davis. On yes. uh, on Instagram, and he looked like, like their little brother. <laughs> it looks like me standing next to you. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what it looks like. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. But like the fact that you know uh, those those guys all play on the same tour together um, looks like a you know fifth grader playing with a bunch of seniors in high school. Uh, but but he's uh, but man, he's got game and and he's really really solid. He's one of the best putters in the world. So uh, you know. Yeah, kudos to him for coming the World Golf Championship. That's a big event. Big, big event. I was thinking about this, though, as Hideki was kind of in that playoff. If Hideki wins, right, um, you have Hideki who won the Masters in a World Golf Championship. You have Colin Morikawa who won the PGA, or not the PGA, but the, the British Open and a World Golf Championship. Which one wins Player of the Year? Morikawa. Still more cow because Matsuyama did not win uh, the, the World Golf Championship. Well, yeah, of course, but I'm just saying, like, if he if he came out with yeah. it, I mean, that's a there. Those are really the only two guys I think you can argue even have a chance. Yeah. Um, in my mind, like, I I mean, I know a lot of people have said that you know Bryson's got two wins, and um, you know, I think they, they, Harris English has two wins, and Stuart Sink has two wins, and. You know, like these, but like, I mean, in my mind, like the, if, if more, if, if Hideki wins, uh, on Sunday, I think Morikawa and Hideki are the only two guys. And I'm not so sure Hideki doesn't overtake him if he wins that tournament. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I probably know? agree with that. But I would also look for Hideki to win one of these playoff, like as well as he's playing. Yeah, I could see him take one of these playoff events down. And if yeah. that's the case, then I mean, is a playoff event just because of the limited field? Does that mean as much? You know, with the recency bias applied as well as a World yeah. Golf Championship. Yeah, it probably does. I mean, especially if it's the Tour Championship, and um, or or he plays well enough to to keep himself in it, um, in a in in close to winning the Tour Championship by the by the end of it all. Um, so, I mean, I think I think that definitely has something to something to say. Um, if a guy finishes higher in the FedEx Cup and and plays well in the playoffs, I think definitely you have something to say there about being player of the year. So, but it'd be, it, it's interesting to think about to say the least, you know, like same thing, well, same thing can I, be said about, you know, potentially Justin Thomas, who won a players, right. If he comes out and wins two playoff events for some reason, I don't think he will. Cause he's not been playing super great, but like if he does come out and win two playoff events and, you know, wins the FedEx cup, like does he win player of the year? You know? No, I don't think so. But what I think will ultimately define Hideki's season and potentially his career is the fact that he wasn't able to medal in Tokyo. Mm, you think so? I do. You think it's a bigger story that he didn't medal in Tokyo than it is that he won the Masters? Yeah. Wow. I think in Japan it is. Most a definitely. bigger disappointment for him. No, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I mean... Obviously, because he had the Masters win under his belt. Like, that was a big deal for Japan, and there's a really good article somewhere that I read that they think that Hideki's win over the course of his lifetime, based on endorsement dollars and some other opportunities that exist within Japan, could net him a billion dollars because of how crazy uh, about golf Japan is. A billion dollars. One billion, yes. No way. Over the course of his lifetime. Wow. So, obviously, you know, that, that's a big deal, but I, I think an Olympic medal to follow up with that would have been otherworldly for the folks in Japan and really solidify him as the number one sportsman in the country, if not ever, in, mm. in the history of, of Japan. Wow. So I, I think that, that, and I think if you ask him honestly, that's what he would say. Hmm. Huh. Okay. The, the biggest disappointments for him are one, not winning a medal, and then having to fly commercial from <laughs> Atlanta to Chicago before he flew back to Tokyo. Oh man, that's hilarious! That's, I, I still forget about that. That's so funny. I will never forget about that. That blew my mind. That the guy who just won the Masters, who probably makes ten to twenty million dollars a year. Flies commercial. That that's, doesn't happen here. That's so funny. Bob yeah. barely flies commercial, and he makes <laughs> much less than that. Much less than that. Yeah, but he flies. Well, he flies about the same amount, though. Um, so anyway, uh, but all right. So so now we have this week coming up. We have the last PGA Tour event of the year here in my state of North Carolina in Greensboro at Sedgefield Country Club. Uh, the Wyndham Championship. We have, um, I mean, th- this is what basically the season comes down for, especially for those guys on the bubble, which there are some big names right there at the right there at the end. Um, you know, from from I mean, really, I mean, CT Pan, bronze medalist, one twenty. Uh, Adam Scott, one twenty one. 
Patrick Rogers, 123. Matt Kuchar, 124. Uh, you know, you got you got Ricky Fowler down at 130. He's uh, got to play his way in. Um, Tommy Fleetwood at 136. Got to play his way in. Justin Rose, 138. Has to play his way in. Rory Sabatini just won the silver medal, 141. So we got some big names kind of right there at the kind of the bottom uh, of of kind of where that that bubble is. Um, I mean, what do you what do you guys think happens? You think uh, wh- what do you think is the biggest surprise? I guess. Well, I, I, I'll be watching Ricky Fowler just because I really like him, um, and uh, I think he's close to. Um, getting back into some kind of form, you know, maybe may not this year, but I, I definitely think that uh, by this time next year, we're going to be talking about him a little bit differently. Uh, he's got to finish in the top twenty to uh, to make it, um, and okay. I think he does that. I, I think Fowler, I think Fowler finishes in the top twenty. I think he makes the FedEx Cup. Um, yeah, he might not, you know, get beyond one one event, but uh, I, I think Fowler, I think Ricky plays his way in this week. All right, so Ricky for a top twenty to get into the top one twenty-five. Nate, are you buying that? I'm buying that. I I like Ricky under pressure, and I know he's not necessarily trending in the right direction, but I think he felt some of that pressure at the British and at the PGA, and I you know I think that's that worked out for him. So uh, sometimes what you need, I think, what professional golfers need is a little bit of like there's nowhere to go, like time to just play some golf. And right. I think he can muster a, a top 20 finish. Um, what I'm looking at is Adam Scott, a guy who I think most folks have been really high on in the majors, you know, mm. at least on some of the stuff that I've looked at and read some of the predictions. Um, he's hit the ball really well and just putted abysmally, like just horrible. Um, pretty sure Bob could out putt him right now. Mm. And so, um, you know, I'd like to see him make it through kind of the same thing. I think when you have really talented guys, sometimes you need to have your back up against the wall to see how well you can perform. Yeah. So I'm looking for Adam Scott to do something similar to kind of maintain. I think he's 121, 122, something like that. Like he's just inside it. 121. Yep. And so I'm, I'm looking for him to maintain his position and make it to the first playoff event where I think he can make some noise. Okay. All right. And I'll one like of the that. other storylines that, that I really think is important, um, we all know that Webb Simpson likes this tournament enough that he named a daughter after it. Yeah. That is he, true. He has a daughter named Wyndham, and I think if Webb Simpson, and we've talked about this in kind of our Ryder Cup breakdown as we've gone along this year, I think Webb Simpson makes a great addition as a veteran, good personality guy to the U.S. team, but he has to play well. And if he's ever going to start that right now, it's going to be this week. Okay. So that's really what I'm looking at is how he's playing, because I think he can really shift the balance in the, in the team room for the U.S.A., uh, he can be paired up with anybody. He's a great guy. Everybody on tour likes him. He could make a difference, but you're not going to make the U.S. Ryder Cup team because you get along with a bunch of guys. If right. that was if that was the case, you know they'd invite Bob because he's the nicest guy I know. <laughs> they're not, not going to do that. So you have to be playing some good golf. And if he's going to start playing good golf, I, I feel like this is the course. This is the tournament where some of those good vibes exist for him. And we'll see 
if that comes to fruition. I'd like to petition uh, Steve Stricker right now if they, he needs an assistant captain or anything like that just to help keep the room together. I don't have to play. I can get along with everybody. I'll happily uh, go up to Kohler, Wisconsin, you know, in a couple of weeks. And, I'll uh, take care of all the travel details. Well, right. he will. He'll handle all the travel, and he's also a pretty – he's decent at ping pong. Yeah. Rumor yeah, I'm has Chinese. It, so, yeah, yeah, rumor has it they play a lot of ping pong at the Ryder Cup. I am Chinese. <laughs> yes, that's so good. So good. Um, so couple couple interesting things. I think one of the most interesting things is Hideki is in this field. And – like you would think Hideki well in the playoffs, right? I mean, he just played he played the British or did he? He did, yeah. right? Yeah, he oh, played yeah. he played at the British. Um it, it was the two guys from Korea that didn't play. Correct, yeah. Olympics. Um Sun Sun J M and uh Siwoo Kim, right? Those two guys? Yes. Um right. is that right? Yeah. Yep. Um so so they they didn't play in the British, but Hideki played in the British. Then he turns around, he plays in the Olympics. Then he's playing last week at the WGC. Now he's playing at the Wyndham, and if, and obviously the playoffs start next week. So then he he's playing all of these events one after another, one after another, one after another. I just I, I don't I mean that I don't know how when when does that give out? Um, and and so I don't I, I'm I, if I were Hideki, I, I don't know that I'd be playing this week. Um, it's a, it's kind of a big deal to me that he's playing, but I guess maybe he's in good form and he just wants to keep playing cause he's in good form. Um, it's, it just seems like that's a very long, uh, grueling stretch of golf toward the end of the year when you're probably already tired and worn out. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, I think, I, I don't know if I'm buying though, the, the top 20 for Ricky, uh, this week. I mean, you got to go really low to top 20 at the Wyndham. Um, I think, you know, uh, many, many years it's, you know, somewhere close to 20 under par gets in. Um, I know a few years ago, Tiger was in this position uh, where he had to play really well at the Wyndham and he got close and then on Sunday kind of faltered. Um, and I, and I don't think he was able to get in. I think he had to finish top five or something like that in order to get in. I think he finished like eighth or ninth. Um, and, uh, and I think, I think, I don't know, man, I just, I want to say, Yay, Ricky, go get it. But I just don't know if he can hold together for four days. I mean, I think he can go out and shoot something really low. But, you know, kind of like what we saw at, you know, the 3M, like he went out and we thought, wow, like, okay, he's at the top of the leaderboard. And then, you know, he just had too many holes where he was making others, you know. I think he had a couple doubles and a triple uh, throughout the week. And, and I just I'm, – I'm worried that he has holes like that right now with the way his golf swing is that – He's just going to have some others. Um, you know, Tommy Fleetwood, man, I just I, – I think Tommy Fleetwood's got to be too good to miss the playoffs. I don't know. But, like, that's kind of how I feel. I kind of feel like Tommy Fleetwood's got to get in. Fairway Jesus has got to be there. Um, so, um, I, want, I, want, I want Tommy Fleetwood in that field. So, um, so anyway, I, I'm going to go – I think Tommy Fleetwood coming down, uh, he's got to move uh, 11 spots to get in. Um, I don't know what that means. He has to finish. Um, maybe Bob and your your say, yeah, mathematical top wisdom. 10. Top ten. Yeah, top top eleven. Top eleven to finish. Okay. According to this website. Okay, so so he's got to get in the top ten. So I I am I'm looking for Tommy Fleetwood top ten. I I hope he I hope he gets in there. Um, I think I think that would be a guy that you would want to see in the playoffs. 
um, out of some of the names that are outside of the ranks. And then, and then kind of right there on the bubble, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I don't think Kucher's getting in guys. I mean, I don't, I, he just hasn't played well enough, uh, during the year, which is, it's strange to say, cause I mean, he used to be a top 10 machine where, you know, every tournament he teed it up and you expected him to, to be in contention, uh, you know, top five, top 10 easy. Um, if you're playing fantasy golf, Kucher was a lock every week, but I think right now, um, I don't, I don't expect him. I don't expect them to get in. I expect somebody to jump him and I expect him to be outside the top 125 by the end of this week. Um, Bob, do you have a winner? A winner? Uh, you know, I, I think Nate already took my, my, my winner and Webb Simpson. I, I think that's uh, hard, hard to pick against Webb. Um, I, so I, I, you know, if, uh, if I'm going with someone, I, I'm going to Webb Simpson. Okay. I like Harold Varner the third. No. Okay. Wow. North Carolina guy. Uh feel like he'll he'll play well here. Um and uh so I, I think Harold Varner the third potentially. Um or maybe even a guy um you know oh gosh. Um Guy with some I'm looking, guy, with, I'm looking. guy with some ties, maybe like Will Zalatoris. <laughs> well, I know some guys think Will Zalatoris. Maybe like a Luke List would be a good pick. Um, you know, Ustazen's in the field, guys. Ustazen, Louis, man, that's why that's not funny. keep cashing checks. Everybody <laughs> thinks Louis wants to win. I think he just wants to make money. He just wants to make some money. Right. Um, it's like most of the people about, that I work with. They just show up for the paycheck. And what about Kevin Na? What about Kevin Na? Um, maybe, I don't know. He can put it. Yeah, I know that. I, I, Kevin Na, I would like on, a, you know, he's a West Coast guy. He always does well in the West Coast swing. I, I'm, you know, I don't know. But I like Probably. Kevin Na. He's, he, he's one of my favorite golfers out there. Yeah. Chris Kirk could be a good pick. Um, he could be he could be up there. I actually walked with him at the Wyndham not too long ago, uh, a few years back. And uh, that was the old Chris Kirk, though. Yeah, I was gonna say he was a big douchebag back then. He he has changed. <laughs> like if you if you haven't heard Chris Kirk's story, it's very interesting. He he um he went through some alcohol issues, uh, and and mentioned how he was you know out on the course. He wasn't exactly the example that he wanted to be using some language and. Mm. And control his his uh, his body language, so he mm. uh, he wants to change that, which I can respect. Yeah, and you know, I think he's. I agree. I think he's back on the. Like Chris Kirk was like an all everything guy at Georgia, mm. so I mean, it doesn't surprise anybody that he could be really good. I mean, name he could his name could be interchangeably used with any of those other guys from Georgia. Right? Yeah, from Harris English to Bubba Kisner Watson to Bubba Watson. Yeah. Right, Russell Henley. I mean, any of those guys. Uh, Chris Kirk is yeah. as good, if not better, than them. So, yeah, Brian Harmon, Georgia guy. Exactly. Oh, little lefty. Little lefty. He's in the field. Um. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. I mean, I think. Uh. I think I'm gonna go with HV3 though. I think HV3. Um. Is gonna be my pick. I hope he does well, and uh, and pulls out a win. I'd like to see a North Carolina guy win in North Carolina. I think that would be a really cool. Cool storyline to uh, to close out the season and uh, and be be a lot of fun to watch. So, um, all right. Well, going into this week, uh, going into this week, we have uh, looks like only a couple guys who are actually even in the top ten even playing this week. 
Um, so most of those guys are taking off and uh, enjoying the, the time away. Uh, and so it'll be it'll be fun to see, uh, especially those guys who are on the bubble, uh, who who can win. So if uh, if you guys want, you guys can uh, make your way to North Carolina. We'll go to a day. We'll go we'll go walk around the golf course one day. Um, I checked at tickets yesterday. There's still plenty available. <laughs> so plenty, plenty of tickets available. So make this short little hour long trip over to Greensboro and uh, and watch it. But uh, but anyway, so. Um, well, that's all we have uh, for tonight. But uh, as uh, as for us, I mean, we we always enjoy doing this. It stinks when uh, we have to miss a week, but occasionally that's the way it is. And uh, so we appreciate you guys being patient with us as we took two weeks off uh, to kind of get life in order and those kinds of things. But it's good to be back with you guys. Uh, thanks for thanks for jumping on here tonight. I really um, it's it's always fun to talk golf and and uh, to to hear how uh, you guys are doing. So. Um, for those of you that are listening, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we look forward to being back with you after the Wyndham Championship to talk some playoff golf and uh, and to get ready for, uh, I think, something we all are excited about when it comes to the Ryder Cup here in a couple of weeks. Um, and, then, uh, and then as the season kind of winds down and we get into the fall series, we may do this a little bit less regularly we might uh, do more topical stuff talk more about just different things in golf instead of more pga tour stuff we'll talk more just uh just more personal golf stuff so you can look forward to some of those things uh maybe try and talk to some other guys i uh i had a chance to uh to hang out with some mini tour guys trying to qualify for the Wyndham uh last week and so uh maybe even try and reach out to a couple of those guys maybe get them on the podcast talk to them about their journey a little bit and see um, see where they're at and and how they're making it um, in, in mini tour golf. It is it is definitely not a glamorous life uh, for anybody uh, out there thinking about trying to get into professional golf. It does not uh, it doesn't seem very glamorous at their stage. So uh, not everyone is a is a Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth who just you know gets on tour immediately. So um, anyway, uh, hope you guys have enjoyed this and uh, we look forward to being back with you next week. Make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe to the podcast and uh, and let us know uh, if there's something specific that you want to hear next time uh, that we get together. Uh, Nate will have something great from YouTube uh, to share with us next week, but uh, until then, go watch that uh, Wesley Bryan, uh, George Bryan chip off at, uh, at USC and, uh, and we look forward to being with you again. Uh, next week. Take take it easy.